0: That you're born an Italian. If you want your life to be great, see that you're born an Italiano and your life will be great.
1: Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast. I'm John Viola. I am with two of my closest pals, the notorious P.O.B. Patrick O'Boyle and the belle of Bensonhurst, Ms. Rosella Rago. We are here and very excited for another wonderful episode coming up and an interview that we're looking forward to. But uh, first and foremost, I don't know the last time the
2: three of us were on together. Can I ask you a question before we go down that road? Yeah, yeah. I always tell you that you need to get a coat of arms. Yes, you do. And I've told you, like, I think Roe should have one. It should be an octopus holding a uh, brokered ob. Because <laughs> if you ask me what represents Roe, it's an octopus holding brokered arm. <laughs> and I've often said you should have, like, garduna with violets for viola wrapped around them okay but would your motto be Chow pisani underneath it yeah Chow pisani
1: yeah hey there pisani like ba- hey yeah. pa-
2: that's like you hey there that's like you a battle cry
1: yeah it you know i think about that a lot
2: like if you had a heraldic banner it would say
1: <laughs> hey there pisani hey there
0: pisani
1: <laughs> that's true i should make that my motto you know i think about this a lot it's something i i always i thought about when we started doing this when we started the power hours the three of us had never been on these things and Dolores and Anthony had their own intro and I'm like how do you give like that old you know Mel Allen baseball shout out and so I started thinking about it and the word paisani is one that I have written actually a lot about I love the word paisani because you know we use it as like friend but really it means person from the same paese. and paise is such a nebulous concept you know you could say your paese is your town. You could say your paese is It's the...
2: nebulous but distinct at the same time. Yeah,
1: and I love that. I love that we're all like, you know, you could say amici or you could say uh, compari, but, but they have like specific meanings, but paisani and paese, that people who share a place. We all share a place. So this 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 Italian America or this heritage.
2: I think paesani is like family you have to be born into it. Yeah, I guess that's Cause true. Cuz you're either from the town. You, you can't say I mean yeah, even but... if you take the Godfather Right, yeah, Godfather Two, like the greatest movie ever. Yeah, probably. And you have, um, what's the Calabrese guy with the who who says the rent is stays the like before? What's his name? Oh, Shucks, with the Derby.
1: Oh my, I don't remember. Um,
3: I'll take obscure Godfather characters for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> yeah, yes,
1: so I feel like I'm on Jef- Godfather Jeopardy. Are you talk about the one
2: Bruno Kirby plays? I don't know the guy with the derb with the Derby. No, I don't. Oh man,
3: not for nothing. But we should totally make a Godfather Jeopardy.
2: Yeah, we should do that. Some people would really that would be extremely competitive. But when they're walking down the street, Vito Corley, like comes up. I think he says the word. You know, we're almost Byzant. Like I'm from Sicily, you're from Calabria. We're almost Byzant.
3: I feel like quasi combata is more appropriate. Like because that, like when you're a combara, like it means that there's a connect, like a, a very familial connection. Yeah, but you know, I'm paisans with people I really don't even like.
2: Exactly. That's why I say it's like family. You could be born into a family of people you hate, but you're stuck with them. They're still your family. You could have paisans you hate. Like Gumbada is a choice, right? You That's want true. The kid to, you want the guy to baptize your baby. You want them to stand up at your wedding. Right? You pick them. Paisan is like a genetic disease. You're stuck with <laughs>
1: But I see. It's I like relatives. it. I
2: That's like it because
1: mind. you could use it like you're using it for the town, your pais. But some people, you, you know, when you leave, it's like everybody says, right? In Italy. When you're in your town, you tell what uh, frazione you're from. And then when you're in your region, you say what town you're from. And when you're in the re- other 19 regions, you say what region you're from. And when you leave, you're finally Italian. And I feel like we have inherited that, right? Like we're Italian New Yorkers, Italian American New Yorkers, or New Jersey. And we make that distinction. But then when we went to, you know, let's say um, Town, Arkansas, we were all just like, you know, New York, New Jersey folks. And then when we... Go to Italy, we're Italian American. I, I just feel like paes can be used for anything. And I, I love the idea of paisani, because that's like to me, if you're a paisani, you're in the tribe.
2: I don't know. I, I think that by I think that Italians off the boat, the Italians born in Italy take the word Baison extremely seriously. Probably true. They don't they don't play loose with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if yeah. you're
2: from the Frazione, you're not a Baison. They would never say this is a deep dive with this, but the you say if you people go, oh well, he's my aunt. She's my aunt, but she's not my real aunt. She's like my Italian. Yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. That's true. But that's a gumbara. That 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 word dot, that word turning into a mistress, gumada. That's the new de facto meaning. Yeah. Which is tragic. And the tragic. And gumba meaning some derelict, low life, you know, you know, crisp Italian American. Yeah. We threw those two words to the to the wolves when they had an extremely important um function because the function was they are not a blood relative. But they have because Gumbada basically made you family. Yeah, so you baptize each other. And that's how like alliances were built, you know, um, I think that us because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who've never heard that term. I One of the biggest learning curves I've had with the podcast is stuff that I took for granted as general knowledge is not general knowledge. And that's why I'm happy when we have these conversations. Because we can enlighten listeners who don't know these terms, what they mean. And I think, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with certain people, but I don't think they have the same meanings in the north of Italy. I might be wrong. I don't know. Patty, if I'm wrong, call me out on this. But, like, John, you have multiple. You have Blood Uncle Frankie's, and you have Friend Uncle Uncle Frankie's. Who's but also were...
1: my confirmation right. sponsor. And, and he yeah. would have been in
2: Gumbada status. So yeah. maybe we should change Uncle Frankie to Gumbada Frankie. Well,
1: it's funny you say that, because when I when we were growing up, there were people in the neighborhood that were, you know, compadre with my father's family. And I didn't know, you know, you don't know as a kid because I didn't grow up bilingual. So we called like this lady Carmela Gumagamel, And I just thought that was a nickname. And then, you know, we had other who was, you know, Gumbajich or whatever the heck they were. And uh it's only as I got older and I obviously dug into Italian and then the traditions and the dialect and blah, blah, blah. That I realized that you're absolutely right. We jettisoned these great self explanatory titles, and we, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's my uncle, it's not my uncle, but we have words for it. And it's funny because when we baptized the baby, I, you know, I asked my brother Michael to be the godfather, and Nicole asked one of her closest friends, Alyssa, who's always around, she's been on the show in the past, um, to be the godmother. And Alyssa's family's Neapolitan, and, uh, you know, they, they would say Kumada, but Alyssa speaks. Textbook Italian, and so they started calling her Madrina.
2: Oh, she's the Kumada. That's there, what I say. If yeah. there ever was a Kumada, and you, she's the ultimate Kumada. <laughs> yeah, she,
1: she is. She's the greatest godmother. She's she, the ultimate Kumada. She,
2: yeah, she's the. She's the. the she, I don't think she was. This is a great example, Alyssa. You say you listen to us. Who knows if you really do? <laughs> so if you don't mention that we're discussing you, now we know it's all BS. <laughs> That's right. Alyssa, yeah. Alyssa Scotty, Alyssa Scotty, Alyssa Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> do you really listen yeah. or do you lie? <laughs> but you're Kumada, Alyssa.
1: <laughs> yeah, she is. That's what I call it.
2: But, but I think that she. She would be, if we could do an Italian Oxford dictionary, she would be the Kumada. But, you know, the big thing years ago was how many wars were fought because at a wedding, the Gumada and the gumbada should sit with the parents. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, you you had to sit the godparents. So the, the the groom's godparents sat with the parents of the groom and the bride's godparents sat with the, the parents of the bride. I, I remember, see, there's so many things that people told me was a waste of time. I remember conversations in my mother's family in the 80s and 90s and stuff like this came up. The fact that the godparents had set the first table was like a, a, a grade A1 concern. Wow. That was a huge insult. Because I've heard of people walking out of weddings. I mean, they don't do that stuff today, but that was, I'm in the lifetime where that stuff happened. Because they were they were insulted at the, where they were sat because it was considered an insult. So even the aunt or the uncle or the bride would sit at table number two, but the godparents. That's amazing. It would be the godparents, the parents, if there's any grandparents who were still alive, would have been at table number one. That's why you got to keep me around, because when I'm dead, this all goes with me. That's why we record you. you to put every me week. On What is that thing? Isn't Walt Disney still alive? Is he in a freezer <laughs> somewhere?
1: <laughs> I don't. They you say got me in the
2: freezer next to Disney. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you people, because when I'm when I'm in the camposondo, when I'm gone, morte you're gonna need all this information, and you ain't gonna be you ain't gonna be able to come to Holy Cross Cemetery and knock on the stone.
1: You'll be the first guy in a freezer with supplies too. You'll have like uh, you know yeah, frozen cabidonas in there, true. and you'll have that's able true. to make room. I have with the those. gastronomic Noah's Ark of Italian yeah. Noah's Yeah, <laughs> like like King Tut, but you'll have all the food you just want when you wake up, right? That'll be yeah.
2: But I think this is great. Now we're gonna call Alyssa out.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna let her know. i hopefully she's. Don't listening. let her
2: know. Don't tip her off. Don't be a cheater. No, no, Don't we're gonna, we're gonna test her. We're gonna I'm test gonna wait her. six months from now. I'm gonna say you She's <laughs> gonna go where. And I'm going to yeah. say, well, you got to go and find it. I'm not telling you what episode
1: it was. <laughs> it's like scavenger hunt. For yeah,
2: scavenger hunt. She'll look for it. You know, she'll spend a month listening to every episode to find out which one we mentioned. It.
1: You know, I want to do that when we open the store. Like, I want to do a bunch of new stuff and kind of change up the structure a little bit. And one of the things I've always wanted to do, and I've started to lay the groundwork for it, is actually do an audio scavenger hunt through our archive and basically ask, like, you know, 100 questions, and the first person who can answer it, based on all stuff we've talked about in past episodes, there's a there's, a, there's a, a distinct answer for each based in our archive. And the first person who gets it all will win uh, a prize. That's I, a I,
2: very I, Medigan thing. I much rather yeah. have a food vendor out in the front. <laughs> I want a food vendor with a truck with the scale. <laughs> Mike well, Giordano. Giordano's got the truck. He's a frutti vendor which is he's a, an arch- one of my favorite words. Uh, if you have any life problems, go see Mike at the 14th Street Farmer's Market. But you got to buy something. Don't go in there and ask for Mike's advice and not buy anything. But if you have family problems, business problems, life problems, Mike is like an Italian-American guru of knowledge. He's like, um, who did? where did Buddha? Didn't Buddha sit on a rock or something? Where did Buddha sit?
1: Under the banyan tree.
2: Yeah, under the, he's under the a fig tree. He's under the fig tree.
3: <laughs> Hold the phone. I got a customer service issue that you would actually have a, have a good response for. Okay. Hi, love seeing you cooking with Nona. Just to let you know, I ordered products from your site. I had a problem with Sadlet. They were stale and hard. Called the distributor and he wasn't nice at all. Ooh, Vito. I guess I'll make breadcrumbs with it. He wouldn't do anything to change. Will not buy anymore.
2: <laughs> oh, man. But Frizzella is supposed to be stale and hard.
3: I know that.
2: That's I- but did she know? I would do this. Don't flip out on her. Just say, um, I'm so glad you reached out to me. But what we um, say, 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 Sam, just trying to understand what was your expectation with Frizzale? Because by their very nature, they're stale and hard. I would reach out. Just put it in that. I'm curious what she thought. I guarantee you she never had a Frizzell before.
1: That goes to Pat's point about the idea that, like, you take for granted stuff that, you know, and. Some people don't know. So here's a teachable moment in the vehicle of the podcast. Frizzale is meant to be stale. It's it is well, it's supposed
2: to be hard, dried, very, it's very hard bread. Yeah. I love frizzo. I'm a frizzel addict.
1: Oh, me too. Me too. I uh, love, a,
2: all I need is scatterol beans and a ding of frizzel. Yeah. And you could take the best steak in the world, I turn it down. I'm I, I make love to schedule beans and frizzo. That should be Valentine's Day. Everybody should have. <laughs> Valentine's I'm making love
1: to the Frizzel. But you know, it's all this stuff makes the point, right? This podcast, the whole reason we came on, I think I can speak for the three of us because I wrangled the two of you into this. The idea was here was a great platform. Podcasting was something I don't think any of the three of us had great familiarity with. I had really no idea other than Dolores and Anthony had started this great platform. And not only was it an amazing means of communication to a whole new generation of the community, but it was also an audio archive of conversations that, like you said, Pat, if, if, if we don't say something about... Oh, this person—the the godparents are supposed to say—but that's there. It's it's in the ether now, and it's uh it's available, and it's and it's something that it's a resource. And today's guest is somebody who has been doing this, I think, longer than us. I'm gonna check that out when we get him in here. He's from the great town of Chicago. He has spent his entire life in and around the North Harlem Avenue area in Chicago, which is uh, one of Chicago's many Italian enclaves. I don't know if it gets the same. Uh, recognition as like Taylor Street and stuff, but it's a great area. He is the host of Keeping It Real with Frankie D at ItalianAmericanLife.com. He's done hundreds of interviews, recorded over 100 Italian-American moments, and uh, really someone that has earned the title that we, uh, we always hesitate to give out too easily, which is professional Italian-American. He is 100% a professional Italian-American. So let's welcome Frank DiPiero of Keeping It Real with Frankie D. Welcome to the Italian-American
0: podcast, Frank. Well, thank you so much. And I have to say it was very difficult not talking that entire time that you guys were talking because I didn't know if I should butt in or just wait to be introduced.
1: Yeah, well, you're a professional. So you knew this was the uh, this was the the process. And I appreciate that because we always tell our guests, you know, we want you to hear what's going on. And I don't want to mute the microphone in case it changes uh, the audio. And, you know, sometimes it gets wonky. So we say, you know, just please wait. We'll introduce you. And that's it, the Italian thing. Everybody's dying to say something. So, nine out of 10 times, they'll jump in. <laughs> and I have Absolutely. to say,
0: no, no, I talk, love but. to talk. I love to talk about that subject, anything Italian American. And maybe, perhaps, I'm a little opinionated. So, yeah, I was dying to say stuff. How long have you had the show? Okay. So, I started uh, in 2013. Wow. And, like you were saying, now I'm older than all you guys, and I am an idiot with technology. So when I tell you I didn't know what a podcast was, I didn't know what the word was. I kind of started doing, believe it or not, like a like a TV talk show at the high school where I live because I'm very involved with the high school. I'm on the school board. I'm a mentor. And we had a TV studio at the time, but we also had a radio station. So I did this TV talk show. And then I also did this radio show but the radio show is exclusively Italian things. And after taping it, uh, I don't know, after, I don't know, maybe a year or so, somebody said to me, you know, you got a podcast there. And I said, what the hell is a podcast? And this guy told me. And unfortunately, because it's always good to have friends. I had a buddy that um, had a big company and he literally told this one employee, help, help me out and put the guy on his own, you know, with the computer stuff and the podcast and this and that. And he did it. And, you know, ever since, it's it's a podcast. And I'm very fortunate as well. I have a 22-year-old son that if it wasn't for him, I couldn't do this because I don't know anything technical. And he does all that for me. So I just got a big mouth. And uh, my heart is with Italian America and Italian Americans. And like you were saying, the podcast is good because it, it documents things. It gives um, people an opportunity to tell their stories. Um, I love interviewing Italian American authors, uh, especially about Italian American subjects. And, you know, I'm all for our people. And, and if, and if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Nobody. Yeah. So it's our duty. It's our responsibility and kudos to all you guys. And, you know, I, I guess in a way me as well, because we got to keep this stuff going.
1: Yeah, it's it's a a big part of the reason that I always felt that this was a natural way to, you know, for me personally, when I came back from NIAF, I had intended to sort of leave that chapter of professional Italian Americanism behind. And uh, I quickly in conversations with Dolores and Anthony realized that they between them had two full time jobs and their kids and their families and it's becoming harder and harder to make this thing regular. and. uh Part of me thought, well, it would be a tragedy to waste this, and another part of me thought, just having these kind of conversations, which the three of us on here have normally in our life, if you record it, you're going to get those moments where you say something that's not otherwise out there on the record, and, and I thought that that was uh, a, a great opportunity. So, you know, 2013, yeah, that's um, that's two years before Dolores and Anthony started this, so you you may be the first tiny American podcast out there.
0: I, I I love that moniker. And, you know, I'm especially proud of it was my son's idea. These Italian American moments I do, which I did my 100th uh, recently. Um, what it is, it's like a minute video. It's a minute video about something uh, interesting, a story, an invention, something to be proud of. I always talk about that something to be proud of. I think there's a lot of Italian Americans that have pride I don't know if they totally grasp what they're proud of or maybe the important things that maybe we know. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the normal people, the AP Giannini's the Anthony Rossi's um, some people, maybe not as well-known uh, Gino Bartoli, uh, Ellen Episcopio. My last one, the hundredth Italian American moment was about, uh, I went there recently, the university of Pittsburgh has these nationality rooms and they have an Italian room. I had never heard of it. And I did a moment about that room because it's a it's an incredible room and it's an incredible story. Things like that. They're like I said, there are minute videos. I realize people's attention spans aren't you know huge. And um, so I'm really proud of those. I, I, I think I hope they're helpful. I keep doing this stuff with the hopes that it sparks an interest in our people. So does that make you the proto podcaster? <laughs> yes. I doubt it, Pat. That's but, the
2: kind uh, of title, the proto, Italian American proto podcaster.
0: I, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. Like I said, it, you know, where you get in life, and you wake up one day, and you're, you know, you're 40 or you're 50, and you're like, how did I get to this point? Sometimes I don't know. Uh, I'm glad where I'm at, and you know, I just hope to keep doing it. But I, I hope it makes a difference. That's the goal. And when I say a difference, just sparking that interest for Italian Americans and especially the younger ones to buy into this, and also, but it's like I say, just not being proud, but like kind of you know getting a better idea of why they're so proud, why are we so proud, why do we take all this time to do these things, right? I mean, pride without
1: knowledge is hubris, isn't it? That's that that like if you if you're proud but you don't know
2: why, that's deep. Did you just come up with that or did that come out of like a textbook? That sounds fantastic.
1: No, I just I just was
2: making an observation. That's great, John. You hit that one out of the park. Bra. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
1: you very much. If I get your Ten approval, points. Did you pull No, but No, it's true, right? Like, you know, or it may not be by nature hubristic, but it, it certainly can border on hubris to be proud and not be able to understand why, explain why, defend why. I mean, you know, the, the, we have as a community – so much to be proud of. And, uh, I think that you have to, like you say, Frank, you have to have context, you have to have the lessons and we have a lot not to be proud of. And you have to digest that. And, you know, you have to deal with the real history of why we came here and what we did here and what we do today and how we treat others that have come here. And, you know, that's all real stuff that has to be untangled. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and you need the introductory class. You need the you know, Italian-American 101, to get people into the master's and the doctorate, if you will. And uh, we have this great venue to do it, all of us out there in podcast land and who are doing videos and content. And, you know, everybody is contributing to a massive curriculum of Italian-American life. And I think, in my own opinion, as a non-academic, frankly, I think that that's more important than, uh, you know, Uh, funding chairs at universities these days because it's accessible to everybody it's a democratically available information
3: Hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy
2: price, price line.
0: And you know what I, I feel like, and I, I, it's like I want to say, I want to pose a challenge to all these Italian-Americans out there. God bless you that you're proud, but take a little time, you know, to become, I always say, to become a better Italian-American. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know, especially when you have kids. You know, I had the kids, they're raised, they're big. And it's such an emphasis on, you know, becoming a better baseball player, becoming a better uh, dancer, becoming a better gymnast, becoming a better taekwondo. That ruined us. All our priorities are out of of whack. Right. How about becoming a better Italian-American? Because I know this. That kid is going to be an Italian-American their entire life. They're only going to be a baseball player for a short period.
3: And that's our though because you know look at the greeks like the greeks continued with greek school you know throughout a, a child's education it's part of their education from preschool like preschool is in greek your your religious school is in greek you're even if like i mean what a fantastic idea that in addition to school where you learn how to read and write, you also go to school to learn how to be a good, Greek. you know, if we, we, ha- we took it so much for granted because a lot of this stuff, if we're not continuing to teach it, we just expect people to grow up knowing it. And what happened with Italian Americans is that we kind of took it for granted, we let it fall by the wayside, and then you have people, as they grow up, they get older, they have children, and then they realize when their kids are in high school, how important it is. And then they try and play catch up. But I think we have to start like start it over, John, if we have to start a little like Italian school, then that's what we got to do. Italian American school.
0: You're probably right. Rosella, you hit it on the head. The lack of an Italian school, an organized Italian school, like the Greeks, like uh, even in Chicago, we have a million Polish people, correct? They all send their kids to Polish school. And we did not have that. and That was the beginning of the downfall of Italian America. And what they learn is they learn the history. They learn the language. They learn religion. And even though the kids don't like it when they're doing it growing up, they're better Greek adults, Polish adults, than they would have been without it.
2: I have a story that goes back to this and the lack of an Italian school. When Mother Cabrini was in New York, her sisters were sent to staff the school of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in East Harlem, which was by far the the biggest and most important Italian parish in the New York metro area, arguably the whole country. The parents did not want Mother Cabrini's nuns to staff the school, and they eventually left, and the Irish Sisters of Charity came in because Mother Cabrini's nuns wanted to do a bilingual school with Italian and English and the Italian immigrants thought it would put their kids at a disadvantage not to speak English. A lot of them wanted them to be have all English in school. And so Mother Cabrini's nuns left, and Irish nuns came in. And the reason I bring it up is so many of our listeners will say, my parents can't speak Italian because my grandparents didn't want them to speak it. They, during the war, they wanted everybody to speak English, so they'd be more functioning in English. So we we are also the authors of our own self-defeat in a lot of ways Yeah. when it comes to this.
1: Yeah. No, I I think about that a lot. Like, you know, and Frank's commentary on Chicago's Polish schools actually burst a, a hole and maybe like a self-apologetic hole in one of my arguments, which has always been like, well, you know, the Greeks have Greek as a liturgical language. And so in order to stay with the faith, they have. So I always felt that that was, you know, like Hebrew school, right? You know, you, you're doing it as part of your religious upbringing because your liturgy is in a different language. But idea that polish americans are going to polish school even now in 2023 especially where they're in concentration places like chicago it bursts the hole and it comes back to Rose's point which is this is our own fault right and you know that's not to say that anybody had ill intent around culture and heritage I, i feel like people when you immigrate into this country particularly when you immigrated in the era that our people primarily did there is sort of a a very difficult choice to make about assimilation. There was never, you know, I think about when I was in um, Australia, I, I keynoted a big conference of all their Italo-Australian groups in Canberra, their capital. So I was invited to participate in all their workshops and I used the word assimilation and one of them got up with that great Italian like finger wag that I think Italians do better than anybody. and said, no, 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 no. He said, we don't use the word assimilation, we use the word integration. And that's a concept that, really has not come to the fore in the United States until very, very recently. The idea that we focused as a social trend for many, many generations on this idea of a melting pot versus a mosaic. And, you know, our people melted. I think that that's the bottom line of it, you know. And, and, that, and like somebody on here just pointed out, we're retroactively now, everybody goes to recapture it, which is great and I think should be done. But then we as a community need to provide the institutional vehicles for that.
2: It goes back to your earlier comment of Baizan because you had a group of people who didn't consider them, consider people from the next town over part of the same nationality. So true. I mean, that had a lot to do with it. So true. You know, if you I listen to this Bares guy now constantly on um, Instagram. I, it's the funniest thing ever. The guy, the guy and his grandfather speak Bares. I have no idea 90% of what they're saying. So how could you take a Neapolitan about it? I mean, they had such separate identity. I mean, that was definitely a sense of Italy as a nation of nations. Yes. And, but you know who did do a good job of it is the Filipini nuns, the Maestra Pia Filipini, who were all over New Jersey. They were in Ohio. Um, they were in um, New England. They staffed Catholic schools for Italian, a lot of Italian national parishes, and they were very committed to teaching Italian language. So you'll, I'll meet a lot of people who went to a Filipino school. It died off the Italian concentration. I would say maybe into the 60s and 70s. But the ones who went before the war, they all could speak like standard Italian. Rye Italian. It's funny because
1: you know Nicole is a probably better Rye Italian speaker than me. She grew up speaking at her parents and her brother had just come from Italy when she was born. They spoke in the house, you know, first language for her and her brother. And you know, she hasn't used it in a long time. But she was an Italian minor in college. You know, she she couldn't do much better than me. Um, I probably use it more because of work. But anyway, and make the point. You know, we made a very conscious decision that we wanted to prioritize the baby speaking italian better than both of us and so it's been a big thing in our house we're speaking it more we have a nanny from italy who comes during the day she speaks only italian we watch whatever we watch in italian and so nicole's been setting all of our streaming devices to italian and we found that you can change the audio you can change the subtitles um netflix which has a huge production deal with italy and has has made it a priority area of focus, has a lot of Italian content, first run Italian content, made in Italy, really high quality, very popular all over the world. They dub it in English, and in some of them, they will not provide the original Italian soundtrack. So it's there, it's an Italian production, and you can't get the Italian soundtrack. And I thought to myself, geez, I feel like writing a letter and and almost initiating a letter writing campaign, because there are plenty of people in this country who don't speak English that are Italian, Speak Italian. There are plenty of people who want their families to speak and hear more Italian. And here's Italian produced stuff that you can't get in its original language. And I thought that's how devalued our language has become from the perspective of the kind of United States media, you know?
2: Frank, let me ask you a question. As one podcaster to another, and as I think two people that kind of set off on this journey having no idea what was coming, what have you learned? What have been your big Italian American lessons from doing the podcast? about the community, about people, about the state of things, about how people feel?
0: Well, I mean, you know, and I don't want to be negative always, but... Nobody loves negativity more than me, Frank. You're you're (laughs) in good shape. shape. No, it's just, I don't want to be a negative, but I I also feel like we have to be realistic. I think a lot of people in our community, and when I say our community, I mean Italian America, you know, sometimes it's a lot of rah-rah, everything's great. You know, I took a picture with this guy, you know, this actor that's not it. That's not going to get us nowhere. Okay. What's the real heart and soul and guts of Italian America. And, you know, I don't think there's a major interest for learning something that's about our history, about an invention, about someone to be proud of. I don't think there is. No, I, I, it's disappointing to me. It's not going to stop me, uh, it's discouraging, but it's not going to halt me. Um, I wish there was more of that. You know, maybe I'm biased. I feel like we come from the greatest culture on the earth. We come from the most beautiful language on the earth. We come from, you know, people that that really had a huge hand in starting civilization. But yet, your average Italian American don't know anything beyond a ravioli. That's a problem for me, and I and I want them to do better. And I, that's what I'm trying to. So, I mean, you know, I've learned that, obviously, this is not about my interest, my heart, my soul, my veins is not going to be duplicated by others. I'm not saying that, nor am I disappointed in them. But, you know, give me 5%. Give me a little. Give me, you know, that's what I think I'm searching for and striving for. I would argue
1: that don't you sometimes feel like the fact that there's an audience listening to what you're doing says that there's an audience Because to me, the beauty of this medium is that it's entertainment and education sort of seamlessly melded together. And you don't really know which one's the army and which one's the Trojan horse. And I don't think either have to be. So I always think to myself, when I look at our audience and our numbers and the interaction we get, I think to myself, there's a lot of hunger. I just think it's a matter of a finding. Uh, means and mediums like this, like podcasting or video production, whatever, to get it out there. And B, having the frankly, the know-how and also the community support to spreading the word. And like you know, I look at um the team over at Growing Up Italian and, you know, they've done an amazing job. Uh I mean Ro, look at Ro's work with Nona's for fifteen years. She's done an incredible job of building an audience and getting people's eyeballs on a fun and entertaining piece of content that teaches you a lot. And I think that for us as a community, when I sort of look at that, you know, what's the challenge? I think it's not so much the lack of interest. I think like a lot of the organizations claim there's a lack of interest. Young people don't want to participate. I think it's a matter of are we leading where they are? And how are we as a community supporting one another to get the word out? So, you know, that's the whole point of us doing this kind of stuff together today. It's like, here's another great show that's been on for a long time. It's got all new insights and, you know, different perspectives and different topics. And our audience is an interested audience. So we want to share that. And I think we just, you know, all the ships rise together and our community is not good at that.
0: No, and I agree with you 100 percent. And obviously there's a problem with the lack of interest from the youth. That's a fact throughout the whole country. I don't think we do a good job of trying to get them interested. I don't think we do a good job of corralling them uh, to be a part of this. That I, I really do. I, I don't see, think about, we do a good job. I think
2: I, I see this. A big factor with young people is as someone who's closer to 50 than 40, when I was in school, there were ethnicities. So you were an ethnic. You were Irish, Italian, Polish, Slovak, you're a combination of it. Now it's race. And that's a serious thing. So now I find that young people don't identify with ethnicity because that's not the common parlance of the culture. And the distinctions, and if you you don't have um if you take like the 1950s and 60s, right, media, mass media was bombarded with Italian Americans. Jimmy Durante, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, uh, you know, on and on, uh, Connie Francis, there were Major celebrities who self identify as Italian Americans, which reinforce an Italian sense of identity. Who do we have now? Lady Gaga. I mean, how many people actually come out and identify? I mean, Bradley Cooper's Italian. Some people know that. It's kind of we've dissipated. You know, um, we, we've dissipated. So I think that we're fighting a big battle. I think these kids, I'm very defensive of them because I have them in school. And I think people come out and say, oh, they're not this or they're this. If you take a kid now who's in college, who was born around the year two thousand? Their world perspective is so much different than ours, and they have not had. And another huge factor is, they have not had very strong social studies like history and art and culture and stuff. Their educations has all been about technology and math. So you know, I had a student say to me one time, "Why are you so proud about being Italian? So what has Italy ever done for the world?" And this was a girl who was an Italian American with grandparents who were immigrants. And and when I engaged her in conversation, I realized that she never had the kind of humanities education that would have shown her that in every single solitary field, uh, Italians were always at the head, be it, it, you know, um, and everything. and, And just across the entire, I mean, the word Renaissance is from us. And I think that once you calculate that in, it's not that they're not interested. It's just that it's never been presented to them. When you touch on the touchstone of, okay, like um, having Sunday dinner at grandma's house and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, the touchstone is there. But they don't see Italian-American in the sense of the mosaic of being a substantial part of American culture or world culture. And I think they see a disconnect. And, um, yeah, I mean, that could go on and on. But I think that's a big – yeah, we have a lot to o- overcome. And I think that the, the pod, our podcast, your podcast, we're all, you know, we're all on the front lines and stuff like that. But we can't, um, a lot of this is not the fault of these kids. No, and I agree also, with you no.
0: that it's a different world. <laughs> you know, it, I'm going back to, you know, growing up. And like I said, I'm 56 years old, so I'm older than all you guys. Uh, Harlem Avenue area. My God, was their pride. I mean, everybody had Italian jackets. Everybody, it was an identity. It was an yeah, identity correct. that you correct. were proud to show and proud to be a part of. And there was just a lot of Italian, Italian Italian-American people in stores and every which way in this Harlem Avenue area. And I'm going back to, you know, the 70s, the 60s, 70s, I I want to
2: jump in one second more with that. It's just because I spent so much time thinking about this. That's because the World War II generation was the predominant generation. And they had a much stronger concept of being Italian because they were persecuted. So they were the kids whose parents were off the boat, grew up in the 20s, fought in World War II. They were called Guinea. They were called WAP. They were called Dago. They couldn't join the country club. Um, They had a strong sense. I think the big, another big issue is the baby boomers do not self-identify, or even they do, but they're not the rah-rah. I I think that the baby boomers taking the helm of Italian-American leadership is part of the issue because they don't have that self-sense of, my, my grandparents were Italian. That was it. That's who they were. That was There was no other thing else. It's part of who my mother is. My mother was born in 1947, but it's nowhere the identification that was from my grandparents. Not, there's not even cl- close to it. My mother would identify, and my mother identifies with the Catholic Grammar School she went to, the high, a lot of stuff like that, being from Jersey City. But I just think that what you're saying is absolutely correct, but we got to, there's a lot of stuff that was behind it that was out of our control. And a lot of it I don't think was actually willful.
0: No, very true. And and another reason that this Harlem Avenue that I talk about area was special. Now, Harlem Avenue is at the outskirts. It's in Chicago, but it's it's real far from the lake. So it's at the outskirts. And then there's a couple of uh, suburbs that that run along Harlem Avenue as well. So you had all the neighborhoods that you guys know of, the Taylor Streets, the Bridgeports, the this, the that there were lots of them. But the people started moving out. And lots of them came to like the Harlem Avenue area. Then the last, last, last bastion of major immigration from Italy for Chicago was in the 70s. And a lot of those people that came, Southern Italians that came in the 70s, ended up in this area. So you had just new blood, fresh blood, you know, older Italian-American, Italian. And it was a special, special place and special times, 80s, 90s. Um, the Taylor Streets that it doesn't even compare anymore. I mean, the, 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 nothing to do with the real Italian neighborhoods now. Taylor Street was it. The people who stayed in
2: those neighborhoods were mocked by the people who moved to the suburbs. Yeah, that's very true. And I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a story of an Italian American who recently passed away. He was pushing ninety. His cousin moved to the Jersey Shore, and if you're not from New Jersey, there's multiple, It doesn't. It's the same. Not the same thing you perceive from the TV show. That was considered like moving on up, right? That was a, that was a. They moved down the shore, and he would call his cousin in Jersey City and say to him, "Oh, when are you ever going to move out of that blank hole?" And he was a pillar of the Italian American community in Jersey City, but it was looked down upon for the people who stayed. And I love this conversation with us, Frank, because. I'm not, I'm only eight years different from you, right? Well, there's only eight years between us. We saw all that, but it's like um, when someone gets a disease and then you look back to the factors of what was going on, what caused that disease. Because we have listeners who were born after the year 2000. They have no idea. They have no idea what an 18th Avenue in Brooklyn was like. Or with a tail, they have no idea what an Italian neighborhood was like when it was really intense. And they also don't understand those antecedent things that went on. That's why when you want to drive me berserko, you really want to see me go off the deep end because I'm, I'm behaved. John has me. I'm like a chained <laughs> dog on, on this podcast. <laughs> oh, you still make that? Oh, I can't. Oh, I could never. Oh, it's so fattening. Oh, my kids would never eat it. Oh, we don't know. That's because the, they are. They were the people with the hammers that destroyed the, the monument.
0: No, Definitely. Definitely.
2: I want um, a shameless. what do the Amish do? They shun you. Let's do Amish. <laughs> and we'll have, and that would be the greatest podcast. We would get. We would be. We would have Nielsen ratings. We'd be so high. Call up and tear <laughs> apart some of your relatives, especially ones who have destroyed your family.
3: Guys, if you'd like to hear Pat's new podcast, Pat Unchained, where you can rip <laughs> on all your Italian American relatives and just generally gripe about anything you don't like, or you know, just. Wanna call somebody out? Wanna to, wanna to call somebody a svachim? Please write into us and let us know because we want to get pet this podcast desperately, but he doesn't believe that anybody actually wants it. <laughs>
2: should,
3: like he doesn't believe that anybody actually listens to this podcast.
1: You should have a Svatim Award, Pat. Oh, the that... Prima
2: You know what my friend in Italy makes you rest. The Prima Svatima Award. You
1: know, That'd my, be great. You
2: know, it's the hand of God. My friend in Italy who passed away in her fifties, early fifties from um ovarian cancer it was a big loss very dear friend, she used to have an award called the Prima Fangula Dalano. <laughs> and she would put on Facebook the first person she told her of her Fangula in the year, the Prima Fangula Dalano. <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be a bus driver who didn't pick a, a Prima. I think we should start the first, after the first of the year, we should have a Prima Fangula Dalano award. And people should write in why people should get this Prima Fangula Dalano.
1: But I think, that the, I think that there's something to be said about, you know, Like, you you make a great point, Frank, about Harlem Avenue and the new immigration and the changes. I mean, you know, we talk about all the time, Rose Neighborhood in Bensonhurst and Diker and, you know, that area got way later immigration than a lot of the littlies here. So did Arthur Avenue. And that makes a huge difference. You you get that injection of uh, of of culture and of of language. And 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 it's a big, a big difference. And it's a big difference then. And that's what we always talk about on the show, you know who's got parents that came from Italy amongst our crew versus some of us who have grandparents and some of us have great grandparents and it makes a big difference. And, and that melding of all of us is actually, I think what it's like the yeast in the dough
2: for all of this. And there's some Italians off the boat who are just as bad. Yeah. The prima fangulo Delano is so many people are qualified for this. (laughs) Frank, you know why I love you, Frank? I never met you in person. Cause you bring out all the great negativity in me. That that John always tries <laughs> to. Sorry. No, but John, John never wants me to be like, be happy, be positive. Let's all smile. That's not me. I'm I'm, I'm miserable. I'm cranky.
0: It, the yes. the glass is always empty. And I don't know how familiar you guys are. Okay, so last Harlem Avenue story, uh, Rosella, I met you recently. You were doing a, a book promotion at uh, a store out here by me called Caputo's. Yes. And they have seven, eight stores. They're actually growing. They're going to be up to ten very soon. Their original store where the founder Angelo Caputo started was Harlem Avenue.
3: Yes, I remember they were telling me the story of my friends that I brought with me to the signing are from Chicago. And she and my friend Camille, uh dino spencer's wonderful sister we love dino spencer he's a big supporter of the show she was telling me that the original caputo's was on harlem avenue and it was like a garage door with like the plastic things that would cover the door like it was freezing in there at all times it was like a meat sawdust on the floor kind of place very and now i mean the caputo stores now in uh in the the chicago suburbs are gorgeous they have like full bars in them. You could order, you could meet some, like, you know, you're dating online, you could meet somebody online and be like, meet me at Caputo's for a date. I would go on a date there.
0: Absolutely. And they redid, they actually moved to Harlem Avenue store. It's still in Harlem, but a much bigger brand new. So it's great. Now, let me give you a quickie with Taylor Street. And I'm no expert, but Taylor Street was this huge, huge Italian neighbor in Chicago, right? And we had numbers and we had power and we had politicians And what did Chicago do? They didn't like that. So when Mayor Daley, original Mayor Daley said, I wanna build a university in Chicago, where did he pick to build it? Yeah. Right there. And then they made those people move away. And when they built the expressway, they made people move away. So our demise in Chicago was kind of helped by the city destroying the neighborhood and forcing these people out and thus, we moved everywhere and we lost our power. I'm not an expert, but that's a great story. That, that is, is the same
2: story in every Italian-American yep. community, whether it be Milwaukee. Do You know Robert Moses. I mean, Frank, are you familiar with Robert Moses at all? I am not. I happen here a lot. Robert Moses was born in the 1880s, and he was in charge of, um, I guess, the 20s or 30s on basically uh, modern. He was in charge of basically the highways in New York. So all the all the uh, highways that go through New York, Robert Moses um, was the the father of uh, he's the, he created you know, he was, that
1: job himself. He had no boss. I mean, he did what he was the head yeah, of the he, bridge and tunnel authority. And he did whatever he wanted. He's one of the most like a dictator.
2: He basically took out all five Italian national parishes in Brooklyn. If you see the BQE on purpose, on purpose, the majority, it looks like a snake who was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> and he broke one Italian parish after the other. And I'll tell you, uh, and this is documented. When they were building the Eisenhower Interstate Highway System, and I think it was 1948, in East Harlem in New York, there was a mafia hit and somebody was taken out and assassinated. And there was like 148 or 158 people on the street. And when the FBI came in, none of those people had seen anything. And a big part of the 1950s, we got to wipe out this Italian-American mafia, they said that they thought that if they destroyed the Italian neighborhoods, that the mafia would die with it. Yeah. So they knew that the heart of an Italian neighbor was an Italian parish. And that's why Robert Moses and so many of these other people gunned for taking out Italian parishes, the actual church building. And, you know, like the Bishop of Brooklyn, so many of them at that time were on board. Yeah. So you have you know, an Irish bishop because they're the only ones that were allowed to get the job. Um, and then, you know, them come in and say, well, let's take out the Italian parishes and just ming- mingle them with the parish. So there's so much factual stuff to what you say that went on. Frank, this is fair. Frank, you got to come on more often. You're bringing out all my I would anger. love to. This is the I- more- I- all my anger. All my anger. <laughs> let's go after- I want to set up urinals in Italian um, because I want to put pictures on the mural. Mu- like Garibaldi would have one urinal. So when you have to go <laughs> take care of your business, you could do right on Facci to Garibaldi. <laughs> Robert Moses would have a urinal.
3: Got really weird. I, I,
2: I'm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a yeah. political statement. Robert <laughs> Moses did so
0: much to destroy. Really if you, did. Back, you're making me feel bad. If I inspired you to this,
2: no, I think it's great. It's why not? He's happy. You are, him listen, happy. Hold on, Frank. Back up. You want to educate young Italian Americans? Yes, that's great because Italians like that stuff. We're, we're better with angst than we are on positivity. That's right. I think true. that'd yeah. be fair. Isn't that great? How did I come up with this stuff? A
1: natural you predator, think, predator. You know, I helps. never
2: had drugs in my whole life, but you would never know it. I never smoked weed. I never did cocaine. I never even been drunk. But you want to know something? Can you imagine if I was?
1: But the bottom line is Pat's absolutely right. It would be great to have you back on and uh, and come on and visit you on your show. And I think you and Pat could have a very, very natural, freak flowing conversation about this stuff in a whole new uh, context. And I'm sure there's a lot more stories to share. Um, but, you know, getting to our original point around uh, being Paisani, it's great to have you as one of our paisani. And, uh, you know, we really do hope we get to do this
2: stuff again. I would love to. And I got to do a big thank you to our listener. We share a listener, Diana Falco, who's like the grand dame, grand dame of Chicago, Italian America. And thanks to her. I didn't even know you. I didn't even know you because I, I, I'm not a technology person. I never even I never have listened to any of the podcasts other than our own. And she had tipped me off about your podcast. And that's that's how I knew. And I said, you know what? This is we all got to work together. We got to build a family. So I want to say to everybody out there, you know, we have to work together as a community. We're out once a week. The day you don't listen to us, you got to listen to Frank. That's right. Because there's there's enough of room, rather be um, growing up Italian, you, and there's different genres, different personalities, uh, different takes. Some people like different things. There's enough of the food on the table for everybody to eat and everybody to enjoy everything. And we got to work together so that we can fill up everybody's week with everything Italian American. That's absolutely right. If there's other Italian American podcasts out there, like Diana Falco helped us out and told us about Frank, let us know if you're a podcaster, let us know if you do videos. That's what I want to do. I've reached out to so many people this year who are online. Let's all work together. Let's do the most thing possible. That's called rolling together. <laughs>
0: That's well said. And on that point, and thank you, Diana Falco. She's a great girl. Um, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. I appreciate this time. Um, even my website, I have a, a, a section called guide. And what the guide is, is uh, I have uh, museums throughout the whole country. You have an Italian American museum. It's there with a link to go to it, um, get information. I have uh, magazines, newspapers, because you know I, I got like three, four, five coming to my house every week because that's what I love. That's what I'm interested in. Uh, useful sites. So it's a help tool to Italian America. That's what I try to do. And if I may just plug one thing, I uh, recently, which is Bizarro World, wrote a couple of children's books with an Italian flavor. Oh wow! How, how did I get into that? I have no idea. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing them. Totally Italian flavor. Um, also, like you know, if I say no, no, or say grandfather, I write in parentheses, no, no. So it's a tool to learn. And for for parents, it's for little kids. The parents read to the kids. Uh, They're not big books. They're not you know, gonna change the world, but nothing I do does, but.
3: That's not true. Don't ever say that because when you write things down, you document things, it becomes oral history that really does last forever. You know?
0: Thank you. And I
3: say, you know, what you do will be important to many people, I think.
0: Thank you. And the, the books are on Amazon. They're on my website, italianamericanlife.com. Uh, first book is called My Big Family. It's an imagination book. Second book is Teddy Bianco Goes to Italy. And there's a lot of Italy in it. And I'm going to write more of them. And uh, no, thank you. And and I would love to do. That's what I'm trying to say. We'd work together. We got to work together. We we need to uh, come paisani. We got to work together. Okay. Come combate. We got to work together because... We need to make a difference.
1: You're absolutely right. And that is a wonderful sentiment to leave with today. It's what what all of us have stood for. And obviously what you stand for is, like Pat said, doing the Italian impossible and rowing together. And we can do it. We have the tools. We have the passion. We have the interest we will
2: do it, we are doing it, we that. will do
1: it, yeah, we are doing it and and i and I thank everybody out there in the audience for both shows for being part and uh, doing your part and rowing with us and Just by listening every week and supporting the people that come on this show, you too are one of the uh the galley mates in this great voyage that we're on to not just preserve but to promote and evolve our great Italian American culture, so Frank, thank you for being on this week. It's been a real blast and a good reminder of why we do what we do.
2: And Frank, I want to invite you. I don't want to cut John off. I want to invite you to John's Mecca, the big capital he's building in Little Italy. John's great, <laughs> I don't know what to call it, the mothership. Mothership. I want to invite you, and you can have the first of Pichata on Cavour. <laughs> the Cafe, Cafe Roma, whoever you hate in Chicago, we'll put them there just for you. We're going got Pichata, the inaugural Pichata. Um, and that's, what you
0: guys are doing sounds incredible. And I want to learn more about it because this is something that's in a way never been done. So,
1: yeah, well, well we're going to give it a shot. You, you know, there's always got to be a first person to do it. So we're going to give it a shot. And, you know, I'm on the board of the Italian American Sports Hall of Fame and it's relocating appropriately as you've explained from its former home on taylor street out to harlem avenue in the future so my sincere hope is that we'll be together uh, at that grand opening and together again at the grand opening of our soon to be named italian american mothership at the heart of little italy so i I look forward to both
0: it sounds great the best of luck and thank you to all of you it's been it's been a pleasure i i thoroughly enjoy talking about this i could talk for 10 hours straight about all this stuff
1: well so could we (laughs) that's why we do this so it'll happen again in the future and uh I hope everybody out there in our audience can listen for 10 hours straight. Uh, If you do, we really applaud you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh, that's my kind of town, Chicago. That's I, I, you
2: didn't know that?
1: I, it took me a minute. You don't appreciate
2: my kazoo. I was I practicing all week my kind of town on my kazoo.
1: It was a little slow version. I, can't, I don't know.
0: Have
2: you ever played a kazoo? How do you do a fast version? There you go. <laughs>